Hey everybody, my name is Lexi. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, right now, I want to talk about the emotional roller coaster of being an artist, things that we go through as artists mentally, physically, financially. It's just a lot that we go through. And anyone who is in the comment section right now, if you're joining me for live, please feel free to jump into the conversation and let me know some of the ways that you've gone through an emotional roller coaster on this journey to superstardom. Um. So, Trayvick comes on, he says, shit, the biggest roller coaster at the amusement park called life. And I would definitely have to agree, especially, especially, especially this past, I'll say the past six months for me have been extremely tumultuous, extremely rough as far as like emotionally and mentally. Um, just because of the kinds of situations that I was exposed to. And it actually led me to think about, you know, questions that I had never doubted before, things that I had never doubted of myself before. So I guess I'll just start there because it's the freshest. Basically, you know, I was around a major situation and uh, kind of a historic family, but I was disillusioned. I mean, I've already been told that the music industry is evil and, you know, there's a lot of demonic things that happen in the industry and people are corrupt and people are fake and just so many different words, negative words that are used to describe the industry and the people who are in the industry. But I can honestly say the past few months is when I've actually really been exposed to it, how fake people can be, how quickly people turn on you. Um, and it's like, you know, you're working with a, an artist who signed with a major and you want the artist to like you, you want the label to like you, you want the managers to like you. It's kind of a stressful situation if you allow yourself to think about it in that way. Um, but for me, so, uh, let me jump in and out of these comments before I get too much into my own thing. Travick says you have to be quote unquote delusional to chase the dreams we chase. And that is a truth that I realized probably within the last six months, honestly, because when I tell you the things that I have experienced being around the people I've been around, it's just like, man, I knew I had to be tough, but I didn't know in what capacity I would have to be tough. So uh, it's still kind of fresh. So I'm not going to go all the way, jump all the way in and uh, talk about the people who are involved necessarily. But eventually anybody who looks back, they'll probably be able to tell what it was, who it was, when it was, whatever. So um, during this time when I was introduced to this major uh, situation, I didn't really feel like it was major at the time. And I'll be honest, I was not impressed by what I was seeing. I wasn't impressed by the performance I was hearing. I didn't understand the hype of, you know, the person we were there for. And some of these things, ah, F it, I don't even care. It might sound like I'm hating, but I'm really not. It's just my perception of things, my perspective, um, and how I experience these things. So, you know... I wasn't that impressed with what I was seeing. I was initially brought on as a songwriter um, to help provide dope lyrics. And let me try to get all these thoughts organized because there's a lot of different ideas coming through. And what's up, the radicals? I see you. The radicals, I see you. What's up? Uh, So let's start here. I was brought into a situation as a songwriter and... I myself am an artist, right? And I have been considering myself an artist since I was eight years old. I mean, I started singing since I was three. I started writing poetry when I was eight. That flipped into writing songs, of course, matching it to instrumentals and beats. And 
even went so far as I recorded two albums in middle school. I do not have a copy of the first album, but I do have a copy of the second album. I'm sure I could find the, a copy of the first one in my parents, in my dad's house specifically, somewhere in their storage. But, you know, I have considered myself an artist for a very long time. And because I have considered myself an artist for such a long time, there are just certain things that I've done over the span of my life to prepare myself for a, being a superstar, prepare myself for different situations that I thought I would be placed in as an artist. Uh, a lot of those things, a lot of the things I tried to develop, it was more so talent based and uh, personal interaction based. So what I mean by that is I've been working on writing since I was eight years old. I've been working on singing since I was three years old. I've been imitating my favorite artists. I've been studying, you know, what are they doing in interviews? How are they talking? How are they answering questions? What kind of questions are the interviewers asking these artists? And how would I answer those questions if I was asked the exact same thing? Now, granted, I wasn't on that level yet, but in my mind, you know, it doesn't matter whether I'm there yet or not. Someday I'm going to be, so I need to prepare. I need to develop myself because, <clears throat> excuse me, I have, um, you know, my father is West Indian, which means, you know, Jamaican and immigrant. I think he's the first generation to come to the U.S., but Caribbean parents, West Indies parents in general, <clears throat> excuse me, immigrant parents in general, you know, they can be very harsh uh, as far as what's a real job and what's not. So you have that aspect for me growing up. Uh, and, you know, kind of my fault too. I wanted to be a lawyer before I wanted to be an artist, thanks to the movie Legally Blonde. She made it look so cool. So my parents for a while thought that I wanted to be um, a lawyer, but I actually, I switched and I flipped and I wanted to be an artist, a singer, songwriter in entertainment and music. And, you know, to immigrant parents, West Indies, Caribbean parents, that's not a real job. And that's definitely, it definitely was not something that anyone in my family had seen or heard of before. No one in my family has explored that profession. So it's new. Nobody knows anything about it. No one could really, you know, advise me in that role. So growing up, I, I never felt like I really had that support. I always felt like I was being um, encouraged to go into a different direction professionally, you know, do something that's more guaranteed because just trying to make money off of singing, you're not going to make it or it's not, it's not likely it's not a high probability that you will be successful or on that big, you know, platform that you think you're going to be on because you think it's only about talent and it's about so much more. As we come to realize, as we get older and as we dive deeper into how we can become, you know, superstars or whatever. So let's get into some of these comments. Um, Chow MC says, yes, absolutely bump them. Travick says, your reason why has to be stronger than everything in it. And you really need to have a strong why because there, oh gosh, the doubts and just the discouragement from all kinds of directions, even down to like, you would, you would expect friends and family to be the first people to support you. You would expect friends and family to be the first ones to be like, okay, this is how you can do it. This is what you want to do, so this is how you can make it happen. I don't know exactly how, but we could start here and then we could figure it out together the rest of the way. Nah, it's not like that. Uh, just like I mentioned earlier, because no one in my family has you know, explored the profession of singing, engineering, uh, being invo involved in live sound or anything to do with entertainment industry, it's a new frontier, so nobody could advise me and then probably from what they knew as adults, they wouldn't want me to be in the industry anyway because it's vile, it's evil, it's filled with a lot of fake people. And the part, the kicker, the thing that always gets me, everybody talks about how dark and evil the industry is 
and yet they still play into the same game. The same game that they talk so much shit about and they claim that they hate being a part of, they still play the same game. And I guess, you know, it kind of has to be that way because it's the only way you get into the game apparently. But let's get more into the comments before I go back into my ramblings. Uh, Child MC says, you, me, Lexi, you have real talent, which means you are a threat. And, okay, cat, my cat is all up in the way. I thank you for saying that. First off, that is a huge compliment. Thank you. Um, You have real talent, which means you are a threat. I believe that. Stay off of my laptop, cat. Okay. I believe that wholeheartedly. And it frustrates me at the same time because I know how talented I am. I know what I bring. And as I mentioned earlier, I've spent over two decades of my life now developing myself, developing the skills that I think I'm going to need to make it in this industry, really more so to make it as an artist because I have yet to begin to fathom what I need to develop to make it in this industry because in all honesty, I hate the industry. Um, I really don't want nothing to do with it other than the fact that apparently the only way to make money or to be a superstar is to be in the industry. But uh, that aside, yeah, I thank you for saying that. Talent, unfortunately, does not mean a lot. And that is one of the mental things that you got to battle as an artist. Um, Realizing that even if you are really good, you have to have other things in place and other things have to come into play for you to have a shot at being looked at. Not even necessarily make it but for you to have a shot of being looked at. Let me get into this. Uh, SGNK0123, what have you wearing now? Show us. It's not that kind of party, madam or sir. Child MC says, expose them for the frauds they really are. The major labels are losing control and they are afraid of it. I believe that is also true. Um, So the thing that's been really great about the development of and the advancement of technology as far as the internet is concerned is you don't need a major label to make it to the masses. Now, the part that gets annoying and frustrating and hurtful, quite honestly, is even though technology has advanced, so has the advancement of capitalism. Oh, that should be another thing. I made a song called Captivity talking about all these capping ass folks in this industry and in life in general there needs to be another one called capitalism um so basically my thoughts behind that and what is heartbreaking and continues the emotional roller coaster even with the advancement of all of these technologies and things that become tools that make it so that you know an artist doesn't necessarily need a label to make it anymore there's still the hard truth that even if you are talented you probably you don't have a greater likelihood of making it for the simple fact that you don't have enough money to continue to support yourself and that comes from you know most artists are working regular ass jobs You know, whether that's fast food, restaurants, you could be a general manager somewhere making, you know, 30,000 to 100,000 a year. And, you know, that might be comfortable for some people, but you need a lot of money to invest to be an artist. Uh, There's the recording cost of recording a song, mixing a song, mastering a song. And then you need to go through the cost of taking pictures for just general artistic purposes pictures that might be used on flyers and promotional things, Uh, taking pictures for cover art or paying for graphic design, paying for marketing and promotion, being on social media. There's the factor of time that no one considers as a form of payment. Time is the ultimate sacrifice that you will have to give up as an artist. And then there, um, for women, the hair, the makeup, for the artists, clothes, travel, food, paying and taking care of your regular bills like rent, utilities, car notes, things of that nature. Um, So all of that to say, it's true that we don't 
need labels as much as we used to because labels are basically a big bank uh, and they don't do as much as they used to. But coming back to the idea of capitalism, please notice the play on words, capitalism. If you have enough money, you don't necessarily need the talent because if you can keep throwing money at something, you can keep throwing money at people to keep talking about your records. You can keep throwing money at the radio stations to keep your songs in rotation. You can keep throwing money at marketing to bring your content in front of people's eyes consistently so that eventually, you know, there's this rule of seven that I talk about in one of my videos. It's a marketing rule, rule of seven, basically. It takes seven exposures for people to get to know you, start recognizing you, start trusting you, start wanting to seek you out as a brand, basically. So if you have enough money, you can keep throwing money at situations to, to keep people talking. And eventually what happens is you throw so much money at something that now people believe that they like it just because they've been exposed to it so much and just because they have more awareness and more, they think, a rapport with that brand for the simple fact that that brand had enough money to keep itself in in people's faces basically so when you come to the realization that money and then you can buy followers you can buy streams you can buy views you can buy comments and it's just like all the advancements that we have in technology it still boils down to money if you have enough money to throw at the situation you're more likely to even if you are a trash ass artist and it's a lot of that floating around a lot of that saturate in the market. Even if you are trash, if you have enough money to stay consistent, then damn, by all means do it. And maybe I'm a little jealous. I am jealous actually, because I, I don't always have the money. I don't have the huge budget, the huge wealth, you know, the inheritance that some people got to be able to maintain consistency all the time. That being said, though, that you shouldn't let that discourage you because we do have free tools like the internet, like social media that can be used to improve your, I call it a digital footprint, so that you are more likely to be discovered. But let's let's get into these comments even more. They know you are talented, so they want to use you up. Oh, child, child MC said they know that you're talented, so they want to use you up. And I'm sorry if I'm not moving quick enough for these comments, but I do want to make sure I get to as many as I can. So Child MC says, they know that you are talented, so they want to use you up. That's another hard truth and a hard truth that I experienced in the past six months. Um, you know, people, you, they want to be involved in a major situation because, of course, being involved with a major artist, you're going to pretty much... Hopefully, as long as the artist works out, you're going to be guaranteed success. You're, if your name is attached to this artist breaking and you kind of get that reputation of having written or produced or engineered on a project that broke an artist into their stardom and gave them that national notoriety or recognition or whatever, then that's a pretty damn good thing. That's something that you know people want to have on their resume. And it makes it so that you can increase your price. But, you know, and during that whole process, everyone's acting buddy-buddy. Everybody's acting friendly, trying to establish this whole family uh, dynamic. But I've seen it fall apart where, you know, everything's all good when we're creating the music. But as soon as the business part comes into it, when people start asking questions about, all right, um, my percentage you owe me a percentage and you owe upfront fees. And a matter of fact, I didn't even like how the business was handled for this particular situation because I do not, I, I don't handle my business the way that business was handled in this major situation. So that, that's another layer to it. You get to these levels and you realize it's still cap, even at these higher levels. And it's so frustrating, y'all. It's so frustrating. And then, like I said earlier, you know, I wasn't impressed by what I heard. I wasn't impressed by what I saw. And you, you start to think like, you know, even as an engineer, people who don't know as much as I do or people who move slow as hell, making it to these higher positions somehow. And to equate that to an artist, 
people who don't sing as well, people who don't rap as well, people who don't even write their own stuff, people who don't know how to communicate with the engineer because they're not concerned about, you know, the, they don't understand that the engineer is the most important, one of the most important people they're going to have during their whole career. To have spent so much time developing myself and then you get to a level where this person doesn't know as much as you, they're not as quote unquote talented, they cannot quote unquote sing better than you, they can't rap better than you, they can't write like you. To get to that high level and realize that the person you're working for, <sighs> talent wise, they don't match you, level wise, they don't match you. Do you know how much that messes with you on a psychological level? And for me, I started questioning myself. Uh, later on, I figured out it's, you know, I'm around terrible energies and just around people that I don't necessarily need to be around, despite the fact that I feel like I should be around them because they're industry. And if I'm not around these people, then I'm being forgotten. I'm being left out of the industry. But for me, when I was in this situation, it's like, yo, I've spent years of my life investing not only my money, but especially my time, only to come into a situation where someone is not as good as me. I'm just going to keep it real. They're not as good as me. They haven't been putting in the work that I've been putting in publicly because I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. And that's, that's another point I want to make. You don't know what people did to get to where they got to. And I've heard a lot of stories about what happens in the industry for people to get to where they want to go. But you get to this level and you realize, damn, how did these people get to this level not knowing what they don't know? I know more than this person. I can do more. I am more. I speak better. I sing better. I write better. Like all these things. How did they get into the major situation? How did they get into the label situation? But I didn't. And it makes you question yourself like, what am I doing wrong? What have I missed all these years? What am I not doing? Is there something in all of my years of research that I missed? You start to blame yourself and it's it becomes an internal battle. Like, you know, for me, I started comparing myself in every single way. And during this time, it didn't help that it did not help that my car went out. And uh, I'm blessed because a coworker of mine had a van that I could use, but that van was wrapped with company advertising all around, like completely. And, you know, the paint is chipped. It's an older car. And I have to ride around to this multi-million dollar studio where the artists I'm working with, is they pulling up in Bentleys and Maseratis and Corvettes. And I'm pulling up in this beat up wrapped company van that's not mine. <laughs> And then I'm so I'm comparing myself on a physical level, like, damn, I don't on a material level. I mean, like, damn, I don't have what these people have. And then during the time, during the same time, I got a mysterious, like allergic reaction that I have literally never experienced before. Found out that I caught strep throat. And apparently, like, I didn't know it did this, but I not hives necessarily. I guess it would be hives. A bunch of little bumps, like a rash, formed at my throat and came up my chin and onto my face and made my cheeks puffy and big. And I was actually thankful for pandemic at this point because wearing a mask had become uh, commonplace. So I would keep my mask on in the studio because I felt so ugly and I couldn't, I didn't have the money to keep my nails done. And I didn't necessarily have the money to keep my hair done. Like, how how did I? My friend Najee did my hair. That's why I had the box braids. And I got braids because I knew that would last at least. I could stretch it for two months and feel kind of pretty and feel like my hair was kind of done. But I was comparing myself physically because, you know, she's walking in. She's gorgeous. She always looks great. I'm already tripping because I'm not driving around in, you know, uh, what these other people are driving in. But now physically, I don't look like a good representation of myself. I don't look how I would want to present myself. I've got this rash 
my face is puffy i look fat in these clothes my nails are not done because i'm not spending money on nails because my car is out of commission so why would i spend money on nails and hair when i don't even have a decent car to get me to and from i rode in that car for two three months y'all until i got my car but um and you know i didn't show my face in sessions because I was embarrassed about the rash that was that had um, developed from me getting strep throat. And, you know, I had little bumps all over my face and my face was puffy and big and I just felt so ugly. And I didn't have my eyebrows done because, again, why am I spending money on cosmetics when I don't even have a car? That's just how I think. And it was just a lot. I was comparing myself every single day. But still, like, you know, I still need to show up even though I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel like I match these energies. So imagine feeling that way and then also feeling like, but I know I can do more. But because of the fact that my my physical and material things aren't matching these people, now I'm doubting my talents. Talents that I've never doubted before until I got around these people, until I got in this situation, feeling the way I'm feeling. And I'm doubting myself. You know how crazy of an emotional roller coaster that was? So let me get back into some of these comments. Um, Travick says, I never knew that you had Caribbean roots. Yes. On my dad's side, he is Jamaican. Uh, Travick also says, what family member you know chased daydreams? Oh, you just changed my life with that question. What family member do you know chased their dreams? And off the top of my head, Nobody. Nobody. If I'm on the verge of tears in this, y'all gotta excuse me. Because, oof, this thing has been a journey. And any of my fellow artists, y'all know, we've put in years. I'm coming up on 10 years professionally investing into being an artist. And um, I count that from when I moved to Atlanta. I've been in Atlanta since 2013, so that means I've been here eight years. I'm coming up on a decade that I have been professionally um, aspiring to be a superstar, to be an artist, an entertainer. So let that soak in. But that is a great ass question, Travick. What family member do you know that chased their dreams? And my immediate answer is none of them none of them maybe my uncle for a short period of time when he was in college he was playing football and it would have been dope to see him go to the nfl but maybe that's not what he really wanted i don't know and the crazy part is i don't have comp like no one in my family even talks to me about what they wanted to do before they ended up doing what they're doing and and when i try to have conversations like that it's like they don't comprehend what I'm asking. So then here's the next point, right? The emotional roller coaster of feeling like you don't have support from your family and then feeling like you can't talk to them because they don't understand or they or they just won't relate and they don't try to understand. They don't try to relate. Do you know how hurtful it is to want to share something with your family? And maybe not everybody can relate to this, but for me, do you know how hurtful it is to want to share this part of yourself with family because it is who you are? And, you know, it's only the thing I've been dedicating myself to for the past two decades. If y'all don't see me as serious by now, then I don't know what's going to make you view this as a serious thing for me. But how hurtful is it to realize or feel like you cannot talk to your family about this? Because, again, as I mentioned earlier, no one in my family that I know of has ever successfully pursued music or entertainment. So it's new frontier for the family. I don't have anyone advising me on what to do, how to move, how to talk, how to interact with people in the industry. Because no one in my family has ever done it. And then when you add onto that layer... Wanting to relate to family about chasing dreams, but realizing that nobody in your family chased their dreams. Everybody in your family gave up on whatever dreams they may have had. And then realizing that you don't even know what they originally wanted to do. 
because either you never brought it up in conversation or when you've tried to bring it up in conversation, they don't know how to answer. It's like, I think I tried to ask my mom one time and she like couldn't even, it's almost like they don't remember what their dream was before they ended up doing what they wanted to do. And that's a, that's an extremely scary thing for me. I don't know about y'all, but that's extremely scary to not remember what I desired the most before I ended up where I ended up in life. Like that's crazy to me. And um, I've already come to grips with the fact that I don't know where this music thing is going. I know where I would like for it to go. And I know that I'm working towards the direction that I want it to go. But I don't really know how it's going to end up. But accepting the fact that even though I don't know how it's going to go, I'm in this for life. That's, I'm in this for life. So whatever abuses, whatever doubts, whatever comes from this journey of music, I know that I'm in it for life and I'm not giving up. Even though I have no idea for real how it's going to turn out, I'm just hopeful. And I'm hopeful that the things that I'm putting into the universe and the work that I'm depositing into this, I'm hoping that it returns tenfold, a hundredfold. So that's really the best I can do. Uh, let's get back into some of these comments though. <clears throat> Excuse me. Travik also says, no one in the world goes after the unknown. Unreasonable people move the needle and progress the world forward so let's ponder on that because he's Travick is really coming with the gems right now what family member do you know chase their dreams you just changed my life with that statement alone with that question alone and now no one in the world goes after the unknown because going after the unknown it's not a human trait like it's not a characteristic that humans possess in fact the way our mind works, it's we're kind of programmed to do the safest thing that's not going to get us killed. We're programmed to want to go after the familiar. So in this whole journey, we're constantly battling against, against uh, what do you call it? That innate feeling. Is that the right word? Um, what do you call it? Instinct. That's what it's called. We are constantly battling against our human instinct and our human instinct is to not go against the grain do things the easy way so can you like what kind of people are we that we're going against our basic human instincts because that's part of survival unknown things are scary things y'all ever watch the crudes everything that caused curiosity ended in you dying what was that story he told? One day, the little girl, she had a cave. She was safe in the cave. But one day, she got curious and went outside the cave and died. That's basically human nature. <laughs> anything new, anything unknown, no. Basic human instinct says we shouldn't do that. Don't do that. So think about how crazy we must already have to be because we're going against basic human instinct, right? All right, the other half of, of what Travick said, unreasonable people move the needle and progress the world forward. Because really, really, as artists, we see things that people can't see. So in a way, it does make us crazy. It makes us insane that we are fighting so hard to bring into reality things that people cannot see, things that other people majority of other people cannot fathom so just imagine what that does to know that what you're working towards does not yet exist but you are going to be the one to bring it into existence and everyone is always doubting you like how are you going to do that or you can't do that or no one's ever done it before so how do you expect to be able to do it constantly hearing that self-doubt well not self-doubt constantly hearing that doubt and discouragement outside of yourself and then sometimes you hear it so much that you begin to create self-doubt because it's like, well, maybe these people are right. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not being reasonable because I'm trying to bring about change in a way that people have never seen before. It starts to play on us mentally 
that we're viewed as insane because we are attempting to bring into the world something that has never before been seen, things that have never before been done in a way that people have not explored before. So it looks crazy to people who are used to staying within the status quo, who are used to going with the flow, never going against the grain. It looks crazy to those people because they don't want to rock the boat. And then they call us dreamers, but we're the ones who never go to sleep. Ain't that right? So, oh shoot. Oh shit. Let me see. I heard today that true art is not mass marketed. Those expensive art pieces are sold underground, sold at underground art auctions. And, okay. That is very true. Um, Let me gather my thoughts. That's another thing we have to grapple with, isn't it? (laughs) As being an artist. This might come off. I hope y'all are going to like really relate to what we're talking about in this uh, particular chat. And not be discouraged, but feel encouraged by the fact that there is someone else out here. In fact, a lot of people going through the same feelings and the same emotions as you are when it comes to this journey of being an artist. So what Travig just said, as far as the most legendary pieces are not mass marketed. They're sold at underground events. And that reminds me of something else that somebody said the other day too. So you kind of have to grapple with the idea that you may not even be recognized for your brilliance while you are alive. Because something that someone else said to me the other day, this is maybe like two, three days ago, that's why people are more revered when they're dead versus when they're alive. Because for some reason, the greatness is not recognized while we're breathing. (laughs) And it's not discovered until after we're long gone. And I can even say for me, that's true when it comes to the artist Aaliyah. Even though she was alive while I was alive, I was too young to really understand who she was. It wasn't until she had already passed away that I realized who she was and loved her music and broke down crying because I realized I would never be able to experience her in person because she was already gone. But that's a great point that uh, Travig brought up. The really good stuff is not mass marketed. The really good stuff is not given its flowers. It's not given its just um, attention, the just uh, appreciation while the artist is alive so that's also something that we as artists have to grapple with and that brings on its own set of emotions like damn what if I'm doing all of this right now and we want to be recognized we want people to tell us how good we are we want people to say damn you really changed the culture or because of your song I got through this situation but to know that in our lifetime, we might not see that recognition. So not only are we crazy because we're building towards something that doesn't exist, we're also building for something that we might not even experience in our own lifetime. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it crazy? That's crazy to me. My nail feels weird under here. It's time for new nails. That is crazy though, isn't it? So not only are we mad, And insane because we are introducing ideas that no one has ever introduced or seen before. But we're also working to make things come to life that we might not even be able to experience for ourselves in our own lifetime. Or at at, at best, we won't be able to experience it at our prime. But that should not discourage you. Because I think of, and I think of stories like LMA where, you know, boot up took a year and a half, two years before it had been released for a year and a half or two years before it blew up onto mainstream. That's a nice story. Um, and the, the lesson for that is not to sound like cynic, cynical or whatever, but the lesson in that is your stuff is always going to be new to somebody. So 
it might be old to you, but it's always going to be new to somebody. There's always going to be a new ear, a new face. Somebody is going to discover it. It's going to be brand new to them. And what we have to remember is that we can't stop just because we're not getting the mainstream or the national or international recognition that we so badly desire. We have to keep putting out and putting out content. It might not be appreciated today. It might not be appreciated this month, this year, the next five years, the next 10 years, but we have to keep putting out content to build up and to solidify our legacy. Because even though we might not be able to enjoy the fruits of our labors in our prime or even in our lifetime, we still have to keep putting out the artwork because we know that someday we'll be placed in history books. Someday our work will be revered. Someday some new ear is going to hear it and that ear will probably have the power and the influence to tell millions of people to go back and listen to this artist. Go back and view this work. Go back and listen. And that's really beautiful when you think about it. It's insane, but it's beautiful. So yeah, I think we are a little delusional. I think we all need to, and I've been adopting this philosophy. Side note, I think we need to be as delusional as rappers who come into the studio. They've only been rapping for three months and they don't write anything. They freestyle everything, but they just know everything they put down is a hit. It's fire. They don't have to go back and redo takes. They don't have to say things over because everything they do is fire. We need to be that delusional. Okay, that's another kind of delusion. We're actually more realistic than those particular rappers. But anyway, I digress. Let's check on another comment because I did screenshot these. Uh, okay. <clears throat> we already did that one. What does this one say? It's not you, it's them. Never do compare yourself. And none of the shit they have even matters. Nothing even matters. You ain't hear the song? Are you talking about uh, D'Angelo or Lauren Hill when you said that? Travick. Never compare yourself. None of that shit even matters. I don't remember what I was talking about when you made that comment. And then the real eyes says, your time is coming. Be patient and continue to work 10 times harder. I'm going to be real honest with y'all. I'm starting to get goddamn tired. <laughs> I am tired. Oh my gosh. I've been working and developing for two decades. Now, professionally, of those two decades... It's been eight years that I've professionally been doing it. Professionally. So that's been, all right. So I talked about, you know, the cost material-wise. Um, I talked about the cost time-wise to being an artist. Now let's talk about, let's get a little bit more in-depth with that. What people don't realize artists go through, unless you're an artist, you don't get it. Um, you know, came to Atlanta because in my mind, Atlanta is up next. As far as development, it's the next Hollywood. It's black Hollywood right now. It's the Hollywood of the South. There are a lot of opportunities coming to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's being built up. All of that good stuff. Um, that's not what I wanted to do. Stop it. I want to see this. Okay, cool. Um, so my decision to move to Atlanta is because I saw it as, you know, not quite as big as Los Angeles. I don't think I'm ready to go to LA. It's expensive in LA. It's reasonable to live in Atlanta. I can do serving hell. Worst case scenario, I could become a stripper and I will be able to make my living in Atlanta. The school I want to go to, the school that I can afford to go to, Art Institute of Atlanta. I know that I can sing. I also know that singing is not enough. What can I do to help myself better myself and further myself in music? Hmm. What if I knew how to record myself? 
let me move to Atlanta to go to the Art Institute of Atlanta to study audio production so I will know how to record myself and others. That makes it so that I know how to record me. It's something that helps me. I can build my name in the background as an engineer until I get to that superstar status. And along the way, I can pay my bills by helping other people record their music and, you know, put quality into their work as well. While I'm in school, start my LLC. I create, uh, I apply for an EIN number with IRS. I create bank accounts, business bank accounts to organize the business funds. I create social media pages. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube. Um, I invest in my own website and I maintain those things for years. And you know, you need to post every day to get that engagement. So I'm constantly taking pictures of what I'm doing, videos of where I'm going. I buy a video camera. Hold on, hold on, let's backtrack. LLC. $200. EIN is free. Website, $200 per year. Uh, business account, that's free, but you got to maintain a certain balance so they don't charge you. Um, social media, the time that it takes, creating the content, the constant real estate that it keeps in my mind that I need to be doing things that create content. I need to keep taking pictures. I need to keep taking videos. I need to keep vlogging. Oh my God, my phone is not enough. I need a dedicated video. Canon PowerShot, or uh, was it a Canon PowerShot? It was a little teeny camera. I think so. It was like $100 from Target. Bought that, held on to it for a year or two. This is not enough quality. Up, upgrade to a Nikon. Better quality, but I have to buy individual batteries. I want a rechargeable battery pack. Uh, well, how much was that? That Nikon. That Nikon was 150 on um, on Facebook Marketplace. Upgrade camera to a Canon M M50. $800 investment. Uh, new phones. $200 investment. Uh, again, there's the investment of time, not just in social media. Constantly posting at least once a day. Um, on you know like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Forgot about Twitter. Um, posting tutorials and vlogs once a week on YouTube. <laughs> Singing tutorials, Pro Tools tutorials, um, working in studios, working a regular job, studying, somehow finding the energy to also party as well, I might add. I don't know how the hell I did it without having money, but somehow was able to party like three, four times a week and go to school and work at a job and intern at a studio. Um, and yeah, to go back to the whole social media thing, watching videos like Gary Vee saying that, you know, you need to create your digital footprint. You need to put out content, content, content. Um, so I'm constantly putting out content, right? Um, it's a lot of work. I'm juggling jobs. I'm juggling bills. So that's an investment of time that is just unimaginable to people who have not, who are not on this journey. Um, all the clothes, the outfits can't be seen in the same outfit twice at these different performances, right? I always need to have my hair done, especially as a female, because we get judged more critically than males do on our appearance at these shows. I need my hair, makeup, nails done. I need new clothes every time I perform. It costs money to perform at some of these shows. Uh, being scammed out of money, uh, $800 to do this modeling thing to get my hair and makeup done and to get some pictures taken. And she says she can get me placed in Double XL magazine. Don't get placed in the magazine, but that's all right. I still got my pictures, right? Nope, I'm out of $800. And now all I have are memories of this photo shoot, but no actual freaking pictures. Um, What else? I remember that one time I spent over, gosh, over, over $800 to go to New York for one night to perform in a showcase that I was invited to go to. Uh, what was that DJ's name? DJ Absolute in New York. You know, $500 for the plane tickets and for the hotel. $200 artist performance fee. Um, yeah, and how much is it to get into these clubs? $10 cover charge, $10 to perform one song. Uh, <laughs> and you're doing that one, two times a week, maybe. Um, 
still putting out content, still putting out tutorials. That's the point I wanted to make with the Gary V thing. Gary V says you got to give the people you got to give the people value. You got to give them knowledge. You got to offer them something free before you can ask them to buy anything from you. So years of pouring into tutorials and providing that value for people, spending all this money, working, doing all of that, um, getting scammed, realizing that a lot of these showcases are predatory and you know there there might be industry people at these shows. There might not be. But uh, realizing that a majority of it is all scam and it's just a ploy to get money. Showcases that charge you 20 to upwards of $300 to be a part of their stage, even though it's not real industry audience, you know, you're basically lining their pockets. Um, and then, you know, still investing in education outside of school because school is not the only place you go to get educated. No, you're investing in seminars, you're investing in uh, camps and different things like that. <laughs> I appreciate you for coming to the chat, Trayvick. I'm sorry you're going to miss the rest of it. But I think we've gotten through a majority of it. Majority of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's let's stop with the rambling on all of that. A lot of investment. A lot of investment. And I forget the original comment that uh, sparked that ramble. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. The real eyes. You Be patient and continue to work 10 times harder. That's how much work has been getting put into this thing. Let me tell you. But y'all already know it. Y'all are all fellow artists. So now this one is... My ex-engineer was amazing and dope as fuck, but their ego was something else. So I had to find someone else. Yeah. Dealing with people's egos and having to be very careful about how you talk to people, who you talk to, information you reveal. Um, because when you finally do get into these rooms with these big people, these big people got some fragile egos. And this, these big people, they like their ass to be kicked. And...
you know, you want to be involved. You want your name to be attached to that. So everyone's acting all buddy, buddy. But then when it comes time to talk about the business, everything falls apart. And suddenly, uh, Child MC said earlier, you know, they use you up for what you have. And I very much feel used in that situation because I've written on over 10 songs and I've engineered over 60 hours with these people spending entire days blocking off my other connections to work with some of these people and then just to not get paid for it and then to not be told directly but indirectly that if you want to get paid you got to have sex with the boss man if you want to get paid you got to do this favor for the boss man he's the one that cuts the checks so I guess I'm just not gonna get paid then because (laughs) I'm not doing it so there go, what, three months of my life down the drain. Well, no, they did pay for the first month out of their own pocket, which is what you're supposed to do, but whatever. And I thought artists got recording budgets, but whatever. Um, I'm tired of arguing with people on that point. That is an upfront cost. And production is a partially upfront cost. But, you know, you want to be, you know, attached to these major situations and so... Everybody goes in buddy, buddy. But when it comes time to talk about the business, everything falls apart because the same people who are calling you family and sis and brother and fam and cuz, auntie, uncle, whatever, the same people who are trying to be buddy, buddy with you, they turn around and cut you out of songs or they don't pay you for your time or they don't pay you the fee. What makes it hard? Okay. So I forgot to mention the cost of buying production. I've been blessed enough that because I went to school for audio production, I make connections with producers and other engineers and other people who have access to studios and all that. So I haven't necessarily had to pay for production until very recently. Um, but, you know, it's to my understanding that you pay an upfront fee to the producer. Whether you're going to use the song or not on your project you pay an upfront fee, whether that's for a lease or for an exclusive from the producer because you intend on releasing the song, right? Um, I'm accustomed to being paid upfront for my service as an engineer and a songwriter. So this is a new business structure for me. I'm gonna I'm get off this topic though because it's, it's a lot, bro. It's a lot. But, you know, my main point was These people will be buddy-buddy with you when it comes to creating the things that they need, the material that helped them get signed by the label, I might add. But then when it comes time to talk about the business, these same people, to include their label, are trying to find ways to finesse out of having to pay you what you owe and finesse out of giving you the percentage, standard percentages that you are owed on this music. It's a lot. Oh, I needed to talk about this. I needed to talk about this. We're going to blow up. The real eyes says so true. The funny thing about it, we're going to blow up and be on top. You feel exactly how I feel. Trayvig, before he left, said the crazy part, I think human instinct used to be exploring the unknown. If it if it wasn't, would what? wouldn't have the language we speak the way we live the way we learn and operate i think we got comfortable that i I would say that's true somewhere along the line we stopped wanting to explore all right everybody that's going to conclude part one of emotional roller coaster of being an artist make sure you stay tuned for part two of this conversation i have a very special guest who shares his experience exactly what i'm talking about this whole emotional roller coaster he's going to share his story with us so make sure you tune in for part two of emotional roller coaster of being an artist in the meantime make sure you like share subscribe make sure you support on patreon patreon.com slash lexi atl for five dollars a month you can become a, become a patron and you will see episodes like this weeks months in advance before the general public does you will also get exclusive insiders and behind the scenes of songs that are unleashed songs that won't be heard to the public for quite some time all that good stuff so yeah thank you so much for this uh for tuning into this part one of emotional roller coaster of being an artist 
Until next time, my name is Lexi and stay tuned for part two. My name is Lexi. Peace.